thankful today, too. If we're not met, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsdale. Some may be new here, a guest today for the first time, may not be where, but uh, my family, a lot of my family is here. All my kids are here, which almost never happens. We have the Puerto Rico, the daughter who lives in Puerto Rico, who flew in to be with uh, and see us for a while, but also to uh, help with a sister-in-law having had, just had a baby, so she's here for that reason. Uh, and then our other daughter is here uh, with her fam- with some of her family, not, not all of them, but most of them are here with her. Uh, she came down to celebrate her, uh, her granddaughter, her daughter's 16th birthday today, uh, and she wanted to be here with us during that time. So that's Kendall. Stand up. Stand up, Kendall. Stand up. <laughs> she's 16 today. I told her that she's 16, but quit looking like she's 30. I want her to stop that. <laughs> Let's stay looking 16. And our son, Michael, of course. Michael is always here, almost always here. He lives in the community with Gladys and our two of our grandkids here you've seen running around. And so we appreciate much of our family being here today. And, and that's, again, this all kind of happened here at one time. We've had a, a delightful weekend because of that. Uh, today we're in the, the last of the series we called Fuel. Uh, how we fuel our lives for the Christian journey, for building, growing, expanding, uh, strengthening all that we're about to be able to really just function as Christians the way we should, uh, with the joy that comes with that, happiness that comes with that, effectiveness, of strength, all that that is. And so we've been looking at that number, a number of different things that do that for us. Today we're looking at really what devotions are about and what devotional type of things are. A word that you may have heard many times may wonder, that's not a big deal. Well, it is. I'll explain why it is here as we go on, as we talk first about what fuel is is. Uh, this illustration, I think, works very, very well, and uh, we actually had many of our church family be a part yesterday uh, of the Run With Heart Hospital, a half marathon, 5K, and 1K. I thought Pastor Caesar was going to run with, it, run with us yesterday, but it's something about a recliner down at Glen Rose he decided to do instead. Uh, he, said, he called it a retreat that he was obligated to go to because it's for the hospital. Wait a minute, this is a hospital run here. Anyway, he, that's what, he, he didn't do it with us. But, uh, but I want to explain a little bit about a marathon. I've, I've run one marathon. Many of you have run many others. There's something very unique about that craziness of a 26.2-mile run. That is, the human body can only carry enough fuel for 20 miles. That's all you've got. That's been studied many times. That's all. So then how can you run a 26-mile marathon if your body only carries enough fuel for 20? It doesn't work. I saw a video once of a man who was running and hit the 20th mile, and he ran out of fuel. And he was just standing there like this. He couldn't go any further. He kept hitting his legs and slapping them, and he couldn't even get one, one foot to go. The race was done. No more. Not finishing that marathon. He had not fueled properly. Certainly includes eating right before you go, but more than that, during the race, you actually have to fuel. You have to learn how to, you have to learn how to fuel while you're running, and it takes lots of practice. So in practice, you uh, long runs, you practice that by uh, eating this or drinking that. You know, Gatorade might be one. There are other kind of things that you can drink as well. There, this goo thing, this drop thing, all kinds of crazy stuff. The market's full of it, but you have to figure out how to do it. What works for you, and then you're able to miraculously run more than you should be able to run. Does it sound like life? I think it does. And fuel includes the divine obsession around the terminology uh, devotions today. It's how I function. Not always. There have been seasons where I wasn't good at it, and I paid a price every single time. 
There are seasons that I might have forgot or got busy or decided it wasn't that important or I already, already had enough back me up, you know, and, and, and I made a mistake when I did that. You can't do that. Bruce Wilkinson, who worked for many, many years and walked through the, walked the Bible ministries, a national thing, who also wrote a book called The Prayer of Jabez. You might have read that book or heard of it. Uh, it sold millions of copies. Some years ago, he had to take a break because he was simply overwhelmed and tired and exhausted. That's where his experience was. His were burned out, depressed, I couldn't function, and my life was, his words, dry as straw. Now, that's pretty dry, isn't it? Well, that's where he was. He went to a counselor. Here's what his counselor in California, who was supposed to be the best in the country to deal with pastoral burnout, here's what he said. It applies to everybody. He said, as time goes on, you simply learn how to function. Okay, your, your experiences, your competence, you figure out how to make it work, and you begin dysfunctioning by doing what you know, already know how to do. You just kind of do that as time goes on. And, and when you start, it's not like, when you start, it's like, Jesus, you know, it's praise you, God. It's, it's I'm going to go to church. It's so exciting. We're going we're gonna to sing a hymn, and we're going to sing a praise song, and we're going to praise God. And early on, it's like every day is a great adventure with Jesus. That's why, how it begins. But as time goes on, it becomes just doing the stuff you know how to do, and you keep doing it. And then one day, you don't have that experience in your heart anymore, and then things go bad. Bad decisions are made. Bad days come. We wonder where God is. If God is faithful, why did God not do this or God don't do that when he's supposed to? And we begin losing what we once had or sometimes something we never had. We miss the idea of the importance of what it is to really praise, worship, experience God. What we call it devotion. So many issues, feelings, problems, bad decisions can be traced back to not being fueled properly and our experience and encounter with God on a regular basis, a divine obsession. The term I want to use today is a term, it's fellowship with God. Maybe an old term, maybe overused, I don't know. But fellowship with God is a beautiful, amazing thing. God's our creator. He made us, shaped us. He formed us to walk with him. Fellowship with God, this connection with God, this, this one God we depend on that, that understands us, that know, knows us, that loves us and saves us, a God we're incomplete without. This kind of fellowship is a beautiful, amazing thing. The very fellowship with God that Jesus modeled for us and made possible through his own death and resurrection. That's the story of the church. But we often neglect it, abandon it, don't receive the fuel that it is, and miss it in our life, and that's an important thing to understand today. So I want to give you another illustration that I really like. Uh, I received here a while back. It's actually, this is a chunk of steel, if you all can see this. It's a real uh, big chunk of steel, and it's very, very heavy, by the way, very solid. It says on the, the top of it, it's just one piece of rebar. So it originally came from a long, long, long piece of rebar, very heavy rebar, by the way. Uh, and it's from Methodist Mansfield Hospital. Patient Care Tower 2 Grand Opening. Those on the board all got one of these. Pastor Caesar has one of these as well. Uh, and, and this is what we, we see. As a st so that building over there, that, that, that tower is made of steel. Rebar that's huge, other huge steel beams as well. I'm going to give you a kind of advice. The tornado happens, go to that tower. It's not coming down. It's got steel. It's got steel in its walls and its beams and throughout that building. It's not going anywhere when a tornado hits. Now, my house, my wood frame house, that's a different story. If a tornado happens, we're in trouble. 
Is it going to take that house out? That wood's going to turn into splinters? There'll be nothing left. And you try to get the bathtub and hope that holds up. You know how it works in Texas anyway or Oklahoma or places like that. So we get a picture of what devotions are. It's putting the steel into our soul and it's our choice. We choose, hear me, we choose to build our lives with steel or wood that splinters. Steel that remains steadfast in our soul, whatever comes our way, or wood that splinters when the first difficult thing happens, or the time we mess up our own lives. We're talking about that kind of sense of devotion, of prayer, of worship, and I have several teaching points I want to give you today that speak to this. They're on your message page. I'd love to have you turn to that for those teaching points. We're going to look at some of those Bible verses in a while as well that are there. You can open your Bible up as well, but it's right there on that page for you to see. It's the words you already heard read by Bob. And so we have that about devotion. Devotion to God is the breath of life. Uh, the word Holy Spirit means holy breath. It's the very breath of God. Do you get that? So when we say that devotion to God is the breath of life, hear me, it's the breath of life. It is absolutely the breath of the Christian. God is in my heart. Uh, I'm not walking alone. I, re- I have a relationship with my Heavenly Father. Life, devotion is that. And there are all kinds of ways of devotion, certainly. We do some of those devotional things in church. A hymn, a praise song, either or, is a moment of devotion. I love the devotion that, uh, that Caesar gave to us spontaneously. That was devotion as well. I woke up this morning with Jesus. That's pretty good. I like that. Uh, the bells and the choir offered us uh, that song the choir sang. That God is everything. He's everything. He's everything. He's everything. How important it is to remember, remember that, isn't it? Because I might forget that. I need reminded of that. And that reminds me in a beautiful way, prepared and ready and offering us that. And certainly our times of prayer and maybe the sermon in a small way could be part of that sometime. What that is to us, it's the breath of life. And the second word here is devotion to God is an expression of the real truth. And the truth sometimes can be hard to come by are easily forgotten. The truth is that there is a God. The truth is that God created me. The truth is that God loves me. The truth is I want to love God. The truth is God is for me, working in my life. The truth is that one day I'll see God face to face. These things are the truth, but our world does not care about them, so we don't hear about them very often. You're not going to hear them around you or find it anywhere. You have to seek this truth out, and God's given you and me the ability to do that by coming to church. It's one thing we do, but also other ways of devotion. There are many ways to be devoted to God, to worship, to connect with God, to pray to God, to do a devotional book, to simply sit out there. And As Scott pointed out this morning, when he came in this morning, the sunrise was beautiful, and, and there's God in that sunrise in all kinds of unique ways, and to make that connection with the sunrise, what a beautiful way to, to, to experience devotion and, and, and to grow some steel in our lives. So devotion to God is an expression of the real truth. Thirdly, devotion to God instills a divine order into our lives. The divine, meaning God, order into our lives. Most lives are disordered. 
Uh, they don't live by what God teaches us to live. We find ourselves living by the way the culture says we should live. Our life is in chaos, out of order, confusing. It makes no sense. We simply try to survive, function, and we mess up when we do that. The divine order is there's always a God, and I'm always created by God. God always loves me, and, God, and I always belong to God, and God wants my good, and God also wants me to obey him. These things happen, and it creates order, the divine order that God gives you and me, and the Bible certainly communicates that. But devotion creates the fellowship that makes it work. Just knowing it's one thing, but actually living it out in that holy, amazing relationship with God. Is, I can't explain it to you. You have to experience it. I think pastors always are frustrated by trying to explain what an experience with God is like or walking with God is like or having God in their life is like. It's hard to have words to communicate that. You have to experience what that is. And so it brings divine order into our lives. And the fourth thing here today is devotion to God is a gift to the God who has given us everything. And you might think, what does God need from me? You know, I mean, God is everything. Well, God does not need, does not need your praise, worship, anything you have to give. He does not need that, but God wants that. In fact, the Bible says that God is an emotional God, that God has feelings. I think when we're told that we're created his image, that's one of the things that is in us, is God gave us his feelings. We have it within us. We can love. You know, we can share life with others. We can be joyful. We can rejoice. There's so many things that, that I think God can, does, does as well, and that's the nature of God. And so when we actually worship God, I think, well, for lack of a better term, I'll use our own language, it makes God happy. It makes God happy. When someone he created, saved, loves, blesses, cares about, just comes and says, I, I want to spend time with you, God. It makes, it makes God happy. It brings joy to God. In a very real way, same way our kids are, are here with us today. They come, it makes us happy when they're here. We, we like having them around. It's crazy. It's chaotic. When they're all here, you wouldn't believe it. Uh, but we love having them around. We love seeing them. You know, God's, why would God be different? He's our Heavenly Father. And when we ignore God, neglect God, don't spend time with God, I think it makes God unhappy. He doesn't need it, but God wants it. Think about devotion in that way. It changes your motivation for coming to God. Yes, the real truth. A divine order. You know, that's the breath of life. The steel of our soul that many of us do not have. And we know it because we're experiencing it today, and we know it because we don't have fellowship with God. We know we lack it. We know it's not there. We know it's not real for us because we've not put time into that. We've not set our priorities straight. And many of you have experienced in your own life by that time you were dry as straw, or you made a bad decision, or how did this happen? Because you allowed fellowship with God to slip away. If you've never had it, it's not hard to get because God wants you to have it with him. Begin that change of life and that approach and fuel your life that makes steel in your soul that changes your future and every day in a beautiful, marvelous, amazing way. And I'm trying to explain as best I can, but difficult to do. But it's been my experience and still is. Well, if you would, turn on your message page. Uh, if it's, new, it's the bulletin today. So I got some words there I want you to look at with me. So you, you have to do it, in other words. Uh, you have to actually go there. Uh, it's on the back page there. It's the message page, we call it. It has sermon titles, things like that in there. Uh, and it has the scripture verses that Bob has already read. I'm going to go through, through that with you. I'm going to read it 
And then I want you to read the verse after me together. Would you do that? I'll begin this way. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Now your turn. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Okay, you see already how order is created. How order is created that, that the Lord is Lord, and we are to shout to him all the earth he created. The order and the, and, and, and the truth uh, and the gift to God to make that proclamation and the breath that begins to come into our lives in those simple words. Next sentence. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Gladness and joyful and singing and service, and it's all around the Lord who created us, who made us, who saves us, who knows we're incomplete without that relationship and wants us to have it now and eternally. So you get a picture of what devotions are. We might think of, oh, devotion, that's just a little, that's a little thing. You sit there for a few minutes, you know, and that's kind of nice. We get on our way. It's a lot more than that when you connect with God. You connect with your creator your Savior, your Lord, the giver of life and everlasting life, the one who can give you heaven and the one who can take it away. Thirdly, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Read it. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Now, isn't that the truth? God made us. We didn't make ourselves. We know that we are created by God. It changes how I see myself. How I understand who I am. My very existence is, is, is colored by that simple proclamation. Not just believing it, but doing it, saying it, experiencing it with the God who wants to hear my voice in that way. Next one. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We belong to God. He has made us his people. He's chosen us to be that for himself. And we are the sheep of his pastor. An analogy that Jesus uses often about he is a shepherd and we are his sheep. He gives us that kind of care and that kind of experience that he wants us to have. And it's a steal of the soul to foster that in the, all the ways that he's given us the ability to do that. And the Bible teaches us many of these ways as well. Next one, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his course with praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Thanksgiving you know, praise you know, the courts of God you know, the order of our life, those who know and love God. The breath, the breath that gives us life that comes from God. The truth that defines our lives that comes from God and a gift to God. You've been giving gifts to God and you didn't know it. Gifts that please God that I believe make God happy, that God appreciates, that God wants us to offer that not only, is, that not only honors and blesses God, but hey, it makes us, makes us good too. As things are made the way they're supposed to be instead of the way they're not supposed to be, which is how many people live. The wood that splinters instead of the steel made steadfast no matter what. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Give thanks to him, bless his name. How special that is to experience that, to be able to bless the name of God. You know, we say, God bless you, we get that, but when we say, God bless you, it means something different, doesn't it? And to know that God likes it, appreciates it, is made happy when we do that. 
whether seeing a sunrise in the morning on the way to church, sitting in a worship service, preparing to go to the hospital for surgery, uh, join your family when they come visit, or you go visit them, all the ways it's able to happen. It's a wonderful thing. Give thanks to bless his name. And the last one, for the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. There, that's the truth. That's the order. That's the breath of life. And we read it, that's a gift to God. And it strengthens our soul with steel for whatever is going to come because it always comes. It's always coming our way. We live, as it were, in Tornado Alley, we might say. I'm not talking about real tornadoes. I'm talking about simply what life is, Tornado Alley. How many know that already? You know it. And you have this promise that God gives us. Now, we want to offer you a gift. There are many ways that we uh, think devotionals can happen. Uh, there are devotional books. There's Bibles. There's prayers. Uh, I do devotionals in all kinds of ways. works best for me. I learned a few of my life, you know, and I know what happens when I don't. And so I've learned what that is for me. And a lot of quiet times for me throughout the day work best for me. But I'm not telling you to do that at all. We're going to offer you, though, uh, a new way of worshiping God on a daily basis. Many of you are familiar with GPS, Grow, Pray, Study. It's an email you get on your smartphone or computer every, every morning, pretty much, except for Sunday. We give the, the writers a day off there uh, on that one. Uh, and we're going to change that some. Now, how many get the GPS? A lot of you do. Uh, I, I heard today about 1,750 people get the GPS every day. I'm not going to ask how many actually do it. So basically, you didn't, he didn't ask me to raise my hand that I really actually do this every day. Uh, it's a very short study, 144 words, give or take a word, because it has to fit a certain format that we use right now. So we, we've been talking for a while about that, and we love the GPS. I do it every day pretty much. There may be there, so I might miss it, but most of the time I do it. Uh, it's a scripture reading, a few words about that, and a prayer. Uh, but we wanted to develop that further. And so we, we were all, all those who write the GPS, Pastor David writes it, Pastor Tina writes it, I write it, others in our staff write it as well. Uh, there were limitations to it. First, you don't know who really wrote it and who's sending that to you. And it's not, not as personal as it could be. We, we, don't, we haven't done that. And you can't go more than 144 words. And so we decided to recreate the format. And Pastor David has led this. And it's going to be called The First Fifteen. That, can you put that up on the screen? It might be available for you. I don't know if you can or not. Uh, they'll look for it in a second. I know that there's an image for it. There it is, the first 15. So if you're already getting GPS, you're going to keep getting this, so don't worry about it. You don't have to do anything. You're going to keep right on getting the, getting the first 15. It just has a new title instead of GPS. If you don't get it, you can sign it. It tells you on the page how to do it. Just go, just go on the website, put your address down, and you'll get it the next morning. So it's that simple. The idea is that we, we, we're encouraging you to begin each day with the first 15 minutes as a devotion to God, which is how long it takes me to cook and eat my oatmeal, 15 minutes, uh, that I have for most, most days for breakfast. So it's not very long, but it could actually add steel to our lives in a way maybe we haven't experienced in the past. And so we're going to encourage you to do that. Now, the change is going to be you'll know who wrote that GPS. It'll often be longer than we are able to do now have devotional moments, prayer times, scripture readings, more personal stories from the person in their own life and their own experience. We hope that's going to add strength to uh, the GPS, now called the first 15, and add strength to your life as well, an op option for you. That's just one thing. You don't have to do it. 
There are lots of ways. Many of you already have a devotional book you enjoy, or you have a Bible reading that you do, other ways you format your life and look for fuel in your experience, but we want to offer it to you as a gift. If you want to use it, it's available. Sign up anytime and go online and do it. Uh, or we're more than happy to sign you up as well if you want us to do that by putting a note in the, in the offering one Sunday or weekend about that. I believe you'll be glad that you did uh, in, in this situation, okay? Would you bow be in prayer for a moment? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your gifts to us and your love for us and the place you give us in life and the blessings that we have and our chance to gather today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this morning I have something that I'm going to, to read for you. It's actually uh, going to be going out in the e-news at 12 o'clock. Uh, all our church family will get this, get this today at noon. Uh, and then following that, it's going to go to other people as well. And you're going to be the first to hear it. As I read this, also Pastor David probably about now is reading it in the well, in the well cafe also. So be aware of that as I share in this time. Uh, and, uh, you know, before I say anything about it, uh, well, I, I won't say anything else. Let's go ahead and read it. So my heart's beating so fast that I'm having a hard time focusing. Almost 38 years ago, Rhonda and I were sitting together when I got the call that began our pastoral ministry. It was the call to a little church in Bangs, Texas, what was then called the Brownwood District. It was from Jack Riley, the DS, district, district, district superintendent. That call changed our lives. We loaded up for a few, our few possessions, put our two babies, two and six months, into the backseat of our Dodge Coronet. They're both here today and headed to Texas. A few years later, Brown County Regional Hospital, our third baby would be born. She's here too. Our great kids were all grown up now and have blessed us with nine grandchildren and two great son-in-laws and an equally great daughter-in-law. Friday a week ago, Rhonda and I got a call from our bishop, Mike Lowry. It was to go back to that district, now larger, and called the West District to be the district superintendent of that district where I will now be making those calls to pastors, opening up opportunities and blessings to them, as well as serving more than 60 churches in an area hundreds of square miles, including, a, including serving in a broader area, the entire Central Texas Conference, as a member of the bishop's cabinet. This is only fitting and a God thing that we will continue our full-time ministry and ministry, life and ministry where we begin it. This appointment will begin July the 1st. I will continue to be one of your pastors till then. I'm not going to look up. Rhonda and I both embrace this as a new advantage and challenge in a new adventure and challenge in ministry. After a tremendous amount of prayer, I had made myself available for the possibility of this role in ministry, believing the season had come where I might use what I've learned to help other pastors, churches, and all our church. Having in recent years served as a church coach, having led a conference task force to redesign the Central Texas Conference more clearly around our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, called the Exodus Project, as well as serving for many years on the Conference Board of Ordained Ministry, it seemed right to me to take what you have taught me, what I've learned in life with you, onto the greater church. In a very real way, you go with me. There are several things that give me freedom to make this decision. I believe God is absolutely in it. My partner in ministry, Rhonda, and I made the decision together. Our bishop believes I am the right person to serve with him in this Christ-centered focus for the church, and I'm convinced, our bishop is convinced, and the cabinet is convinced that our senior pastor, David Alexander, is God's man for the church during this season. Prepared by life, by faith, by God, by education, by 11 years of experience here and with me, I'm confident he will lead you as, as you have been led into ongoing and great growth in life and mission in this amazing and dynamic community. I know David in his role probably better than anyone. 
Not just, not just what we see in the excellent books and studies he has written, the great sermons he has preached, the letters he has written, the care he has given so many, and the Christ-centered vision he has presented, but as a Christian man that he is, one who loves God and loves you, and has chosen to accept a challenge few would want or could do. His work ethic is unquestioned, his faith is real, his call is from God, his vision is unparalleled, and his gifts are abundant. He could lead any church in the nation, and any large Methodist church, if available, would choose him to lead them. But you have that privilege because he cares about you and this community, and has chosen to serve here. He doesn't have to. You are luckier than you may know. I leave confident in whose hands I leave the church. I'm going to read another little section here, but I want to say this so in a very real way. I know I've been the preacher for this service for 21 years. Um, and a new season, it seems awfully surreal for us right now, but we feel God is in that season. But I'm not giving you to Pastor David. I'm giving Pastor David to you. See, I, I quit reading. That's the trouble. I said I wasn't going to do that. Uh, but I want you to, um, you know, giving Pastor David to you and what that means in the church. For you, this church family, new and old, have made me successful. You made me successful. I didn't do that. You made me successful. Make him successful. Okay, you promise? Okay. Now I share the words that will be on the Central Texas Conference website at noon today, the words I wrote about you. I will have served the people of, of and this community around First Mansfield for 21 years and love the relationships we have built, the ministry we have done together, the worship we have shared, and the lives we've been privileged to interact with. God has been good to us here, above my wildest dreams, by the way. I will always treasure these years, these friends, and how God has worked in and through our lives together. I can only be grateful and thankful to God for the honor I've had of leading with such a great church such a great people. I can't say enough about that. I would not be who I am without the support, friendship, sacrifice, and prayers of the people of Mansfield. They have inspired, encouraged, taught, served, and blessed me. And the words that will end that on the website has been plain awesome. There was a rest here today. There will be more said later on uh, about uh, this opens up an appointment in our church, and actually more than one probably. Our PPR committee, uh, and this chair, Bob Bush, who just read the scripture today. And that was an accident that you were going to read today, right? We had no idea the chair of PPR committee, who works with our pastors, were going to read scripture today. I had, didn't have any idea my kids were going to be here. That's a miracle as well that they just all showed up. They didn't know until a few days ago this was going to happen. And they, they told us they were going to come a while ago. Uh, but Bob Bush's chair with our bishop, Mike Lowry, our cabinet, which as of July I'll be on. Uh, and Pastor David Alexander will work for who will uh, fill the ministries that I do here. Might be more than one, we think, but uh, that's, that's not my decision. That's their decision and that process the Methodist Church uses. As the decision was made by, uh, by the bishop to offer me the position of, of being on the cabinet, and I accepted that, and that, and that was a Friday a week ago. So those are words I have to say today. I'm here for five more months, so uh, be nice. I will, I will try to avoid making you suffer if you'll avoid making me suffer in the next five months. It's hard to say goodbye, but we're not saying goodbye. We'll have lots of friends. We'll continue. It's not going to stop that. So it's great about this church. And Pastor Caesar is going to say a word or so and maybe pray. He volunteered this a while ago. Thank you.
before we um, pray for Pastor Mike, I'm um, reminded of a passage in Ecclesiastes 3 that says this, For everything there is a season, for a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal and a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to die, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time for war, a time for war and time for peace. I know that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done this so that all should stand in awe before him. I want to say a prayer for you, Pastor Mike, and thank you for your service. As we all stand and as we all, as a community of faith, um, as we extend our hand to Pastor Mike in this time, in this season of First United Methodist Church and of the church itself, and as the transition, as we uh, go forward, will you join me in prayer? Almighty and gracious God, we come before you. We come before you in the humblest way that we know how, thanking you for your amazing grace. We thank you for Pastor Mike and his ministry to all of us and how you've made yourself present in him. God, we thank you for all the many times that he has surrendered himself to you. So God, we ask now that he's, as he continues to surrender himself to the call that you have continued to place on his life, we ask that you would help us to surrender him to that call. Be with all of us this day. Give us your strength and your peace to accept the mystery of your amazing grace, that you are always with us and that you will never leave us nor will you forsake us. Encompass us. Walk with us and lead us that we will always be used by you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for Pastor Mike and his amazing ministry. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.